0: in spirit and in truth I wonder if you can open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6 by uh, a quick show of hands uh, actually can we all stand real quick just so you don't sleep on me real quick that'll be really really wonderful you put your hand on your heart just just another little moment here we have lots of moments here if I'll see and just ask the Lord Lord let truth come to me reveal your word to me make it alive to me whatever in your own words we never want to just go through emotions the words the, the Isaiah says that Lord looks for those who tremble at his word and Lord we just say reveal truth to us by your spirit from your word in Jesus name amen but should quick show of hands, she was here last week or what okay alright so I'm gonna have to do a little bit of recap I it is difficult sometimes in a series which we started last week especially when you preaching prophetically from the Old Testament but uh, we're going to be doing that and I want to talk to you this is in a sense week two so I'm just gonna jump right into it for the sake of time I want to talk to you about the church in this hour something that the Lord put in my heart years ago I do believe and I, maybe if I say this publicly I'll actually have to do it but I, I do believe that the Lord actually wants me to put some of this in a book but um, the church in this hour is a message that God gave me many years ago I've preached it a few times and it's about the return of the Lord, like people returning to the Lord, people that have wandered away from the Lord, and you see that throughout, throughout Judges, it's the time, uh, era of Israel's history from when they entered the Promised Land and they conquered a lot of things with Joshua, before David, was well Saul and then David, before the kingdom was established, and they had these judges, and this is one of them. His name is Gideon, and um, so we're going to look there, and so last week. I, we laid a foundation. I spent some time laying a bit of a foundation last week about how to look at this story and what the Lord began to put in my heart. I think it was in 2012, 13, and 14. Um, and I really believe that the church in this hour, the church in this day, this is in a sense where we're at. There's some very similar things happening here. And so what happens is the people fall away from God, and we covered this last week. Actually, let's go read. Let's go read. Let's go to Judges 6. We're going to read a large portion of Scripture half now half later but it, we covered this last week judges chapter 6 It says this then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and so the Lord delivered them to the hand of Midian for seven years and the hand of Midian, Midian means strife, the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel which would represent the church obviously and because of the Midianites the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves and the stronghold which are in the mountains And so it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would also come up. Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east. They would come up against them. And they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth. That's the harvest of the Lord. As far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance for Israel, Neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it and so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord so what we see here is a pattern that you see sometimes in Scripture when God's people have walked away from the Lord and that was our first in a sense point last week when God's ways when God and his ways are completely forgotten and that's what happens here it says they did evil that means they were actually worshiping the Canaanite gods or the Midianite gods of harvest and love and war and they were fighting against the Midianites but they were worshipping the Midianite gods and they were losing it's I mean it doesn't make sense but we do it all the time when the church and the world start to look the same and the church and the world become fascinated and enamored by the same things as the world and then there's in a sense a spiritual battle and we wonder why we don't seem to have the power that we read about and they've become enamored by the things of the world and that's not a, a heavy it's just it's a constant Thing that happens with God's people. So here, and I know I'm moving fast, but I, I'm just trying to recap for those who weren't here. Here, the Amalekites represent the flesh. And we went into this last week why they represent the flesh, the old nature, the old man. They actually do, and in this story, they represent that, just the desires of the flesh, and they rise up. And the people of the east represent overwhelming voices, overwhelming situations says they would come up without number, they would overwhelm, they would come in like a horde. And it actually, what they would offer them, and if you can go and study historically, in a sense they offered to increase their party was no head, no no authority figure, no, everyone's just free. It sounds similar. Everyone just has their own truth. Everyone just, you know, there's no structure, there's no order. And it's like a false, oh, we just do whatever. And. Through doing that, they offer this to them and then they actually begin to rule over them. Doesn't that sound similar? So that's what was coming against God's people, but the Midianites were the main enemy here. And the Midianites actually represent the culture of the world, the systems of the world around us. We do not fight people, we know that, we're not against people, but there are elements in every culture that are strategically coming against God's people because there's a spirit behind them you guys with me and the Midianites represent this Their their name actually means strife and they were they were sort of related to God's people they were children of Abraham and Keturah so it's like you live with them you live around them uh, but they're not part of you it's something we live with every day and it says there it says because of the Midianites the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So, what happens is when the culture is overwhelming, the, the, church, the church becomes subdued. A, a, a generation is raised up. That's what it says. This generation was raised up. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They were worshiping other gods. Yet they were God's people. So, a generation is raised up, sometimes even in the church, busy doing church, but never actually seeing the hand and the power of the Lord so they're very busy with church very busy with stuff but they don't really walk with the Lord they don't really know the Lord there's there's something missing it's just go to church go home go to church go home there's something missing in the house of the Lord an entire generation is raised up where they don't know anything different and that's what happened here and that leads to a subdued church in a subdued church it says they hid away they hid in caves and strongholds And the the culture pushes the church back into their homes, back into their churches, and we live out our faith behind closed doors, and we think that our biggest concern is just making sure that we can continue to do that, but there's no transformation of society. Am I speaking to someone? So, what happens? This is how you preach a 45-minute sermon in five minutes. They begin to cry out to the Lord. We spoke about that last week, developing a cry, developing a deep cry to God. We are called at times to learn how to cry out to God. It says here, it says, So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So the church was greatly languished. The church was weak. The church was impoverished because they had succumbed to the surrounding culture. But they knew they're not supposed to fight people and a generation that hasn't seen God's power. So they're using the same weapons and strategies that the world uses. And it's it's not like it's not working because they're enamored by it. They're fascinated by the same thing. So they remember, hang on, we are the people of God and we are called God's children and we know the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob let's speak to him and they begin to cry out for God real cry begins to develop in their heart and there's a corporate cry and an individual cry and they're different but as they cry out to the Lord the Lord responds and we went through whenever if I was asked by someone I said this last week to give a blueprint for an awakening for a revival for it's not that God must stick to our little blueprint but this to me is that. Because it's the same principles and the same elements all through the Bible. They began to cry out to the Lord, and the Lord sent them a prophet. It's one of the first things the Lord will do when we cry out. He restores communication. To us, it's just the voice of the Lord comes alive to us. It becomes real to us. The word becomes alive to us in various ways. And he restores the voice of the Lord. And we must see the genuine prophetic come back. Not hype, the real, true, accurate word of the Lord. We must see it come back she, she agrees so this is what happens when the church the Lord will respond corporately and the church begins to arise he restores relationship through his voice communion fellowship he restores the truth of the gospel that's what he says let's read it actually he says verse 7 and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them thus says the Lord God of Israel I brought you up out of Egypt what's that Saul? So? right and brought you up from the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land so we cry out to the Lord and he restores his voice and then he starts to remind us I saved you and he puts the joy of salvation in our heart and he starts to remind us about what he's done before and who he is and who he's been to us and our past victories with the Lord and our past memorials and we start start to feed on that instead of the negativity of what's going on in our land and strength starts to arise, and hope starts to arise. And he restores our focus, puts our focus in the right place, and then restores who he is. So that's what we covered last week. I encourage you if you were not yet to go listen to it. But this story is absolutely wonderful. So we're gonna read. I know that was fast. Are you guys still with me? That was just a little bit of a recap. But I want to speak to you today about when people meet God because they begin to cry out to the Lord and then whenever we develop this crime uh, I grew up seeing mother and father seeing them cry out to God at times and so it's all I knew how to do When things were difficult I would just go away I have to go away with the Lord for three days four days five days and learn to develop a cry out to God until he begins to speak to you until he begins to reveal things and you develop this cry and whenever we cry out to the Lord it's not like we have to earn something but in these times and in this hour, the church corporate needs to learn to cry out to God again and the Lord begins to respond and you also sometimes when the Lord responds he doesn't just respond to you he responds with people he raises a person up he raises groups up and that's his response so can we go to judges 6 verse 11 and we're going to look what happens in a sense with the encounter of the Lord. I could use the word encounter, but it's just such an overused word. So we'll change it to something else. But it says here, verse 11 Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abir's right, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? That's an age old question. Why do good things happen to bad? No, bad things happen to good people. Where are the miracles? Where is this? It's that question. Who's ever had that question come up in your heart? Okay. I think most of you will forgive you for the lies. And it says, and where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord Bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. The guy who's hiding. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said, now if I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour and the meat he put in a basket. And he put the broth in a pot. And he brought, out, he brought them out to, to him, being the Lord, under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So that's an interesting day. It says, now Gideon perceived, very perceptive, perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And so Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He became afraid because according to the law of Moses and according to the Torah, they they knew, you know, if you saw the face of God, you'd die. So he thought he was going to die. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. And it's one of the names of God in the Old Testament, Jehovah or Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. And to this day, well to the day when this was written, it still stands in Ophrah of the rites. So when God's people begin to cry out to the Lord because of things that are happening in their land, because of oppression of a culture or from the culture, and actually it's from the spirit behind, and people begin to actually cry out to the Lord. We've read of when God moves. We've read of these great men and women of God. Some of us have met them. We've grown up with them. Or these great moves of God, and a hunger God puts that there begins to rise up within us in multiple people, and people begin to cry out to the Lord, and we begin to do things maybe we haven't done, or or just even become uncomfortable in it, and just begin to cry out to the Lord, and God begins to respond and God begins to answer and sometimes he answers with people so what happens when people meet God and it doesn't have to be like this this extreme because there's a difference and we'll get into this next week when a person encounters the Lord or has an encounter that could be just a revelation out of the word it could be a prophetic word that someone gives you it could be any various ways but the Spirit of God touches your heart and there's this encounter with the Lord That's like, it's like you've met the Lord. Who knows what I'm saying? They used to talk about it like Paris Readhead and Leonard Ravenhill and A.W. Tozer. They used to speak about, comment on their mouth was this term, walk with those who who have met God. Walk with those who have met God, those who know God, those who know His voice. But there's a big difference between those who have encountered the Lord and those who actually walk with God. You can encounter the Lord and celebrate that and amazing, but walking walking with the Lord comes after that. We get into that next week. But when people meet God, firstly, some lessons or some clues from this text, when this is happening in our land, when things are difficult and everyone has a different opinion about what should be and what shouldn't be, and, and this one versus that one and that political thing and that political thing and this battle and that battle and it's it's so many voices. It's like a black like locust. They just and it's the clarity is gone. What are some clues? That we know that the Lord is beginning to encounter people. Firstly, we see this that God comes to where you're at. Very simple. All through the Bible. These principles that I'm going to mention are all through the Bible. God meets you where you're at. It says that. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in a place and in a house. You think about that? The Lord looks at, sorry, Chris, he, the Lord looks at Chris's house and that happened in a sense I went to Chris's house because that's the domain of his authority the Lord knows where you live, he knows the city you're in, he knows where you are and he hears your voice and the Lord meets you where you're at the Lord always comes to you Always. but when I say when we talk about the word encounter or meeting God please understand it doesn't have to be this doesn't have to be this big major the sky opens God descends down and just that happens and that's awesome but it's like people wait for this to happen or they do nothing it says of Moses when he had the encounter with the burning bush it says he saw a bush burning and that used to be something common in those days which I won't get into now he could have just walked on but it says he turned aside and he thought why why is this happening and it says when the Lord saw that he turned aside the Lord spoke to him very very interesting because sometimes it's the smallest thing you are in the car you're driving to work something happens a song is on a sermon is on or you're just thinking and a little thought a little something in your heart and you know like I think that's the Lord and then you have a decision and and we just kind of I'll think about it later and and it's gone It's not about the bigness of what happens, the bigness of the encounter, whether it's a revelation from the word, whether it's just a little prophetic word that someone gives you, whether it's in worship, and just God is touching your heart. I encourage you every Sunday, write those things down. It's not about the bigness, but it's about the bigness of the response. Don't wait for a big thing, respond in a big way. Pay attention to it, turn aside to it, look to it, ask the Lord about it. Because He will come to where you're at when we're struggling when we're crying out to the lord lord i want to know you lord we need you lord help lord he will come to where you at he will he will he will he will all through the bible he doesn't wait for you to qualify he doesn't wait for you to graduate he comes to you where you're at how you're at he comes to you but let the big response come to even the smallest thing some of the words that have sustained me, some of the things the Lord has said to me that have sustained me, have not been the big things. It's a small little thing, a little thought sometimes. Years ago, and you get saved and you have a little thought and you write it down, but it just permeates through your life. That's, it came, it felt this big. Versus the big encounters sometimes that, by the grace of God, I've had some. And yeah, they're wonderful, but it, sometimes it's the small things. And they just stay with you and stay with you stay with you and stay with you when God meets people He comes to where you at and can I say friends this must take place you can't find him through your intellect yet when God encounters you whether it's in the word or worship or prayer when God encounters you it will involve your intellect but you can't use your intellect to find him but it will involve your intellect my dad always used to say If someone can convince you into the kingdom intellectually, someone else can convince you out. It must be of the Spirit of God into your heart, upon your heart. There's something, even if it's small or big, doesn't matter. But it must be of the Spirit of God. And things begin to change. And things begin to change. The source cannot just be intellectual. Study is good, but it's when the Holy Spirit jumps onto that study so your intellect is involved but it's not the source your emotions are involved but it's not the source it will affect your emotions it will use your mind, it will affect, affect your intellect it'll take something, God will take something that you've always known, something that he's always that you've given yourself to and he'll use that to speak to you but it must be by the Spirit of the Lord and we learn when we are crying out to God how to just position ourselves for that simple things, simple disciplines but the Lord will come to where you're at he really will so secondly when people meet God God speaks into us who we really are this is sometimes some of the first thing you are crying out to God about this Lord the culture Lord the Midianites and he goes hey I think you're like this and you're like that's great you love me I know but Lord the Midianites Lord this issue he's like man I just think you're you're a great son or I know you love me, that's wonderful, that's, are you hearing me like you're not really good, like, you know, I'm, I'm over here, I want to deal with this problem, and you're telling me that, something about me, the Lord will speak into you, who you are, what does he say to Gideon, mighty man of valor, now, in the natural, this would be delusional, If someone, if this was a prophet coming and say, this is a mighty man of valor, they'd all say, and he missed it. Why? He's hiding. He's hiding. He's afraid. He's scared. That's that's what happens. He speaks into us who we are. He's insecure. You'll see later, he's afraid of his dad. He has daddy issues. Even Gideon has daddy issues he's cynical what did he say if the Lord is with us then why well, I mean really Lord like if you're with us then I mean so he's cynical he's ashamed he says I'm there's this all these groups of your of your people Lord and then there's like the smallest weakest group that's me and then I'm the least of those he's like his self-esteem is not huge <laughs> right he's offended if the Lord has if you say this, but the Lord's forsaken us, you've delivered us to the Midianites. There's strife all around in my land and because of you. That's actually what he says. He's doubtful. He asks for a sign. If it's you, show me a sign. But God says to him, this is a mighty man of valor. Because in God's voice is life itself. We, we, we know this, but we need to know it here. Creation, because he spoke. When he says it's a mighty man of valor, in what he said, is now possible to accomplish that thing in that man. Before, not. And it's still like this today. You know, I know of a story of a man who was, he's a prophetic man, and he gives a word. He goes into some different region, some church he's ministering at. He gives a word publicly to this man. He says, You're like the holy men of old. You're like a holy man. Everyone knew he's the drug dealer from town. And so in the natural, everyone's like, oh, this is awkward, because he's really missed it. He's really wrong. Well, that crazy, dirty little drug dealer went home, was encountered by the power of the Lord, and became what he said. Because he said it. That's the true prophetic word. Friends, when God speaks it has power what does the Bible say to accomplish what he said it will do he says he speaks your identity into you so when we are crying out to God Lord we have a situation Lord we have a situation Lord we have a situation and he says man I just you're like a son you're just my son you are like oh, I know that he, if he's saying it you don't know it not really you know it here but your life is showing different so he will speak identity into you and he will speak into you who you are who something about you that he sees that he's put there that now needs to come to the fore yeah that's what he does it's good to know that the Lord is not put off by your current situation it's good to know that it's good to know that the Lord is not put off by the current state of your heart he was offended cynical the Lord's like well I mean he's offended to me so forget that guy no he made that guy he's not put off hear me he's not put off by the state of your heart he's not but he can change it the Lord is not put off by your view of yourself he's not and he's not overwhelmed by what overwhelms you at all. So he begins to speak to you. You're praying about this. He speaks to you about you. And then you get so excited, you run to some leader, or some elder, or some pastor, or some wonderful businessman. God's telling me this about me. And then they have an immature response. It's not all about you, you know. <laughs> and it's like something inside of you goes quiet. <clears throat> he finds it funny. <laughs> you know because we get so super spiritual but what if God's putting something in them so important then he asks a question if God is with us why are these things happening why bad things happen to good people Lord why did this why did you allow this and you his theology says you did and his theology says you didn't I don't care God it happened you the God it happened you it's your fault why why are these things happening you know what I love God doesn't answer him doesn't say oh that's." Yeah, Moses asked me that, and I still haven't come up with. He doesn't do that. He says, go in this might of yours. That's not saying, go in the strength of your own arm. He's saying, how you feel about this? Take that, turn it, use it, and change it. You know when you really learn to pray? When you really learn to pray? When you're frustrated, and you go to God with something you're frustrated about, and He gives you that responsibility. I've had that, Lord, this, and he's like, I know, that's why you're here, son. And you're like, oh, man, I miss that completely. Because it doesn't fit my little theological world. That's when you learn to pray. Now I'm like, all right, Lord, firstly, I'm sorry. Secondly, help me. Thirdly, help me. And you learn to cry out to Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's why he speaks who you are into you, not who he says, not who even your parents say, even though they're wonderful, not who the world says, not who this guy's. This is who I say you are. So important, friends, so so important. So he asks him, why are these things happening? It's actually the sign of a subdued church, by the way. When we get offended and upset at God that things happen and we blame him, all through the Bible. Whenever that happened, they were worshiping other gods first. It's the sign of a subdued church, that question like, well, why, why? And so he says, you, you go. And then he says, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? That's, that's enough. I've sent you. That's all you need. And he says, go in the strength. That's how you feel. I'm with you. Go, and we'll change it together. But we don't like that because we want to say, oh, there's a problem. Fix it and then so we we meet 70 times a week Lord fix it Lord come Lord and he's like yeah but I want want to partner with you to fix it when people meet God what happens next mission mission is born anyone who encounters the Lord who gets to know the Lord is something starts to rise in their heart about God's heart for other people mission starts to rise in the heart what did he say go go have I not sent you go in this mind of yours mission is born and it's so so important how do I say this many meetings people are crying out for God to move and they're asking God to do the things that will only happen when they start to act on what he's already told them step outside of the four walls of the church and begin to do something and you will see the god of supernatural you will see that become real instead of we say lord touch us again touch us again now i mean i'm all for that you know if you know this place this church all for it but sometimes we need to step out jesus would heal or preach in the synagogue and step out of the synagogue and heal heal on the street preach in the synagogue heal on the street preach in the synagogue heal on the street When we take what God's mission is and just practically in our everyday life, we begin to step out. It's almost like the things that He's given us to accomplish that—His power, His presence, His love, His mercy, His the Spirit of God being filled into with our voice—and we begin to speak, and we're amazed how things—they're given for the mission. They're not given so we can hoard it up in our storage room. I have this many prophetic words. I have this much knowledge about this. Look at my beautiful storage room. Look at it. It's all ordered. It's all nice. The Lord's like, but I gave those tools for there. You're like, yeah, but you know. Look at it. Right? Is this making sense to anyone, or is it just me? All right, friends. The result of encounter, the result of knowing the Lord, meeting the Lord, when it it will. It will, it must lead to mission. Can I, oh boy, can we be real blunt, real quick? This is family time now. The church of God, the people of God, the house of God, I see it all the time, I've seen it in my own life. God can commission people into multiple fields. And this is what happens. This is how the enemy sows division. We have person A. And God speaks to them about the political world go into this political world or go into whatever practical issue we're facing now a school board whatever just pick a controversial topic it's easy just like throw a dart and you'll hit one <laughs> right just and God commissions someone into that and there's a passion that rises inside of them and it's we need to do something we need to do something and they don't want to fight people that and so they start to do that you know God's called them to do that but then some of what they're dealing with, whether it's transgender, whether whatever, they can't really interact with, be around, especially if it's in the political world. They they have to be a certain way in order to succeed. And maybe God's put them there. And then you get another person who just loves people. And God's that's what he's and they love the people that he's trying to fix a societal issue. And here a person is just, they love those people. And now they dislike him. I mean, if you love people, you would. Both are God. And now we're fighting. And the enemy laughs. And this person's called to the church to preach, to teach, or to serve. And it's like, well, you just spent all your time in the church. You never even seen a homeless person here. Now they're fighting and they're all different expressions of the same God instead of saying man what you're doing there is awesome how can we get behind you you do that I'm gonna go love these people that's team and we cry out to the Lord and we come with our little you know our little docket this is what the Lord we must do the Lord you know I'm prophetic you know I hear the Lord and the Lord said the Lord said we must do this well I think we should do this well you're wrong and it's like high school friends the church of God is a team is a family and we call them to different things support one another together it will happen understand people have a different there are people in a business field sometimes if they are winning a business they cannot bring people to a certain type of worship service And the Lord can do that, but sometimes they're nervous and be like, you just need to get over yourself. Maybe they know that person and they know I'm going to take them over here because it's going to be better for them. And let the Lord win their heart, their way, or their way, or their way. We have to get this right (laughs) as a people, as the people of God. But what is our response to mission? Just like Gideon's, often, not always, often. I can't do it. I'm not talking about selfish ambition. Those are so just want ministry, you know, out, uh, you know, not that. I mean God really puts something on your heart. There's some like it's like Moses, not me, Lord. Let's get in. Lord, I'm the least of the weakest, not me. Surely, surely someone else. And it looks humble, but it's actually fear. But it looks humble. It's like, oh, you know, this person, they right you know. But it's fear. And what is God's, when we respond, Lord, I can, I can, what is his response? He gives you something to do. It's literally the same almost all the way through the Bible. What he says, I am with you. And because I'm with you, you'll win. That's what he says. I am with you. He said that to Joshua. I am with you. I am with you. And that's always God's response to our human weakness, because the point is, it has to be impossible. It can't, he, God's not going to give you something that you can do. Because then the Holy Spirit is removed out of the church and we have a social club. And look at all the great monuments we can build to the human power, humanism. He says, no, I'm going I'm to call you to do something. And you're like, that's impossible. He's like, oh, I know. But I'm with you, so I worry about it. I bring the, I bring the impossible. It's easy for me. The relationship." When people meet God, friends, this is what begins to take place. They encounter the Lord, He meets you where you're at, He speaks into you, who you are, and yet you're crying out about that, and then He starts to commission you for that. And then you're crying out for you like now nah, someone else. And he says, But I'm with you. And he doesn't look at the qualifications of men. He doesn't look at the outward. Gideon would have never made it in the business world in Northern Virginia. Insecure, hurt, cynical, offended, not confident—never. He would have been eaten up, spat out. But God says, "Oh, but look at that! You're a mighty man of valor. I can use you to raise a military army and win a great victory." He says, "No." I often wonder. It's like, do we think he's silly? You're like, "No, I mean, that's great. You can do that, but not me. I mean, I'll be honest. I've—I've I've dealt with this. I really have." Friends, I came over here into this country, and I don't like to give personal examples. At 24, been in ministry four years. There's people in the church. We had a prof- couple professors, doctors, lawyers, education beyond me, and I'm living in a bedroom in a church house in the basement, and I'm supposed to this is for years, and I'm supposed to preach on a Sunday as a young man, unmarried, single. And I used to say, God, what could I possibly tell these people that don't already know? Some like country bumpkin from Africa, like, what are you, what am I doing here? But He's with you, and if He's with you, oh, that's the Bill Johnson says, God in one is a, with one. God is a majority, always, always. When people meet God, it will include doubt, the fight of faith. Oh, this is not the fun one. I sometimes read when the Bible says, "And A- Abraham, like Abraham, he, un- he, was un- he unwavered. He didn't waver in his faith. And I'm like, mm, he kind of did. Like, you know, he tried with her and then this. and Like, he kind of did. It just <laughs> means that what we think wavering is, is not what God thinks it is. Because sometimes we do stupid things, but deep in our heart we know the truth. That's what God sees. But it says, yeah, the fight of faith. Judges, says, the meal, what does he say? He says to the Lord, if I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it's you. Doubt. That's why I love this narrative. I love this story. Why? Because it's honest and it's so similar to us. God speaks to us. It's not this. And we're like, I think the Lord spoke to me. And then it's like, but I need to make sure, because I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to like, you know, how many times I've given someone a word, like a prophetic word publicly, people think it's just easy. It doesn't start like that, and often it's still not. And you walk away, and you just want to eat your words. This is Chris, the prophetic guy, going here. Yeah. You want to be like, why did I say, the Lord? Just, uh, uh, uh. and and then it comes to pass. You know, and you're like, oh my goodness, Lord, that's. You are more humbled when the Lord uses you than by trying to be humble. Cuz you know it's not you. And your wife definitely knows it's not you. <laughs> but he says he says I'm not sure, Lord. We don't want to look like a fool. We don't want to fail. Some of you are contemplating stepping into certain things that are needed in this land. And it's like, Lord, I need to know I, I don't want to fail. You won't. <laughs> you won't. You won't. Because God is with you. What does he say? Let me sacrifice to you. <laughs> the fight of faith, we bring up sacrifice God didn't ask for. God didn't say, all right, go do a little sacrifice. <laughs> he didn't... He, he said, oh, I'm not sure. I'm very, you know, I'll sacrifice. It'll cost me, Lord. These are the sacrifices that we put on ourselves because we're learning to hear. We're learning God. We're learning, I'm not sure if it's you, and if it is you, I'm actually not sure you're going to back me up. So I'm going to go fast and pray. I'm going to sacrifice to make sure. It is tough, and it is, but we, we put it on ourselves because we're still learning him. He didn't require it. There's a sacrifice coming that he's not yet ready for that God will require. But in the process, he's like, "I'll sacrifice." What does God say? Okay, I'll wait here. Literally, he says, "I'll wait." God waited patiently for now 120 years. My dad reminded me of that many times when I was growing up as a teenager. "I'll wait for you," because God waited 120 years for Noah. I will wait. Friends, let's pause. Go back to Judges 6-7. It says the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. They cry out to God. God responds. He restores His voice. He sends the prophet. And for us it's different. Yes, He can still send that, but He speaks to His people. And so we're crying out because of the Midianites. Here it shows us they are waiting for God to act. God, we're crying out to the Midianites, they still here. We're waiting for God. God waits for us. We have to see it. He says, Okay, I'll wait. And Jehovah, Yahweh, God, waits for a man. Waits for a man to take him at his word. All those people crying out to God, God, help God, they don't know God is waiting for this person, that person, that group that church that leader and Jehovah waits for a person isn't that interesting and so often we crying out to God say wait 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 and he's like I'm, I'm waiting for you to take me at my word and I'll continue to speak into you who you are and I'll continue to walk with you and I'll continue to love you and I'll continue to meet you where you are at but what you're asking requires this and I've told you and I've told you and I've told you again and again And it's okay, I love you, but I'm I'm waiting for you. We wait for him, but sometimes he waits for us. To let the word penetrate your heart and begin to do something. and it's scary. And some of you have things in your mind right now as I'm speaking. I can sense it. Lord, is he talking about me? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I'm talking about you now the husband's going he's not talking about that thing we have to buy not that he's talking about you and then lastly it says what so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace Jehovah Shalom worship is restored worship is born true worship there's one word for worship in the Bible Shabbat means face down flat multiple words for praise and God inhabits different praises differently but worship is restored they were worshipping false gods here he builds an altar and he worships God the God of peace but now this is so important children of Israel crying out for the Lord the church crying out God we need this so what does God do we're saying God fix this what does God do he reveals himself we need to hear this he reveals himself before he fixes the issue they're at war crying out God war so he says I am the God of peace he reveals himself as the God of peace Jehovah Shalom they're at war did the war instantly go away no what happened Gideon The war still there builds an altar and worships true worship which has nothing to do with Gideon Israel how he feels zero it's got to do with God alone not how I feel not what I'm God El Shaddai Yahweh Elohim creator master him and worship is born and he worships the God of peace in a contradicting circumstance, war. Friends, whenever we're crying out to the Lord for things, as many are now, it's the difference between, Lord, we need you to do something, and then we realize, oh, Lord, we actually need you. Big difference between those two. Lord, we need you to do something. And he says, I am peace. And we're like, oh, we need you. We, we actually just need you. You are peace. You are love. You are my shepherd. You are my banner. When you're going through something, when a person, I, I believe this with all my heart. This is how God positions a person for victory. Learn to worship him opposite than what you're facing. Not as like, a you know, you give, people say you give to get. Like if I give and then the Lord's going to give back and it becomes a principle and then the motive's wrong. No, true worship. I'm lost, I'm confused. Lord, you are my shepherd. And I begin to read about what does it mean that God is my shepherd? What does it mean, Jehovah? You know, Jehovah, my shepherd. What does it mean? And we begin to look at it and study it and worship the Lord. Oh, my shepherd. I feel lost, confused, whatever. So I worship him in a contradicting circumstance. Because when a person can worship him in a contradicting circumstance, he knows that that worship is true and he knows that that worship won't change based on how your day is going then he positions that person to bring that attribute to the many he reveals himself to Gideon God of peace in the midst of war Gideon worships peace in the midst of war position Gideon to end the war true worship is born true worship it's not about Anything us, him, but that's how he positions you for victory. Anyway, we need to end. I just saw the clock. (laughs) I'll just say this this text, I encourage you to go read it. Many people stop here. Can I just be bold and blunt? Especially charismatic, Pentecostal, they stop here. They tell of the encounter man, I went to this worship service, I went to this conference, I went up the mountain of the Lord, I mean, it was amazing, and I sort it just was awesome. And they stop at this point, and they tell of the encounter. And they're blessed, and that feels good. And the gods revealed something. But it says the next verse, that same night, keep listening, God says, I want you to go and take your father's bill and smash down the on, do all this, like, whoa. When he does it, that's a person walking with the Lord because mantles come through obedience encounters will bless you will reveal something to you but his name didn't change until he obeyed the Lord A mental that's a person who walks with the Lord there's a mental that comes from obedience but the cry of God will bring an encounter the cry of God will you learn the Lord he teaches you who you are and, and God begins to do stuff but then he wants you to do stuff Can we stand? I trust that was helpful. There's many lessons we can take here. They are principles. They are lessons. We will go into it next week. I'll try to give a little bit more time to it. But Dwayne, can you come? Can I just pray for us? Just open your hands if you can, just before Dwayne ends. Thanks for your patience. I didn't realize the time. I apologize. I was just having a lot of fun. Lord we thank you that we are all your people we thank you Lord that there's not one above the other we all know our own hearts and our ups and downs but above it all you are faithful and Lord there are many of us even in this room that are crying out to you at this time and we thank you Lord that you will speak to us that you will give us strategies may we be people that have met the Lord may we be people that know the Lord may we be people that do what you tell us to do and Lord we do pray for our land we do pray for the courts we do pray for those various areas and what frustrates us Lord give us strategy instead of just frustration Lord we bless your name and may we worship you in spirit and in truth in the midst of a circumstance we don't understand you are worthy of worship and we bless your name in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you Clayton. That was a lot to take in. I know a lot actually happened today but may I I make a suggestion to you and he actually told you a little bit of what it was when he was describing Moses and the burning bush and he turned aside. May I just ask for you something kind of pricked your heart or actually just spoke to you in just the reality of where you are in your circumstance, that would you just take a moment as the day, the coming week, and just turn aside? Take some time to reflect upon it. Ask God what he's actually trying to reveal, And as Clayton preached, oftentimes it's just about you, okay? Thank you so much for being with us today. If you do need prayer, we will have a trained ministry team that's going to be over there. And I do have one thing that I, did, I failed to uh, mention with respect to the graduates, but it's actually perfect for me to do so right now. There is a table in the lobby, so you will walk past it. Stop. Turn aside. <laughs> and if you are so inclined, write a note of encouragement to the graduates. It will be collected. It will be delivered to them. It's not a relationship, of course, but they would treasure that to receive that encouragement and inspiration. So thank you all. It has been a fantastic day. For, for those of you lying, thank you for joining us. And we will be back. But enjoy your day. Amen.
2: Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. We are so glad you've joined us today. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you! If you have completed our discovery course and made the decision to become a member here at Free Life, We invite you and your family to be prayed over during the service on June 19th as an official welcome to the family. Registration will be closing Wednesday, so please sign up to let us know that you plan to participate. We will be hosting water baptisms on Sunday, June 26th after the service. If you've never had the chance to be water baptized and would like to take this opportunity to step in your faith, please sign up today. More information can be found on our events page. Want to serve but don't know where to start? Check out our new Serve at FLC page on our website. There are many opportunities to serve here at Free Life and you can use your gifts and passions to make a difference. Follow the QR code or visit our website for more information. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give towards the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us! Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text FREELIFE to 41400 to sign up! Remember, to learn about all our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.